Greetings, my brothers and sisters. Sending gratitude to all of you who are joining in today to accompany us down the rabbit hole of self-exploration through plant medicines. My name is Ryan Sprague, and I'm here to tell you that your frequency is now set and tuned to explore psychedelic medicines and the impact they've made among the countless psychonauts exploring the last true frontier. Buy a ticket and take the ride with me as we get true first-hand accounts of the experiences, benefits, risks, and transformations taking place within the ever-expanding world of psychedelic medicines on This One Time on Psychedelics. For anyone who has experienced the realms of plant medicines and psychedelics, I imagine we can all agree when I say that there are some aspects of these journeys that can leave us with more questions than answers. When we tap into these realms, we are not only able to communicate with the plants, but we are also able to communicate with various life forms and off-planet intelligence. Today's guest on the show is a man who is an expert in the aforementioned realms and much, much more. He is an Iraqi Freedom War veteran, a medicine man, and holds distinctions from Native American culture, such as Sun Dancer and Sacred Pipe Carrier. In addition, he also holds the South American name of Aguila Cosmica, Cosmic Eagle, and is widely considered a master of plant medicine, specializing with Wachuma, Ayahuasca, and Changa. Now, if all of that wasn't enough, he is also the co-founder of Sacred Journeys Within, which is a non-profit plant medicine church, is the author of two internationally distributed books that are I Am Perfect and So Are You and Find Your Inner Guru, and is the host of the Eagle's Nest podcast. And in this episode, we will be diving into these aspects of his journey, his experiences with near-death experiences, several ET contacts, being a caretaker of the crystal and star altar, and whatever else the divine wills into action in this epic dialogue we are about to embark upon. So please, help me in welcoming my man, Drew Banky to the show. Drew, what is up, my man? Thank you for having me, bro. It's good to be here. Uh, glad to be alive. Beautiful day. Uh, man, uh, man, you were saying all that stuff. I was like, did I do all that? Like, I was like, who are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> isn't that the coolest thing dude i think that's one of the funniest things about being a podcaster who then goes on other podcasts right because we're used to giving the intros but when we actually get one i mean for me it always makes me spin and i'm like oh my god did i do all that so it's cool that i got to give you that experience <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since uh i've been i've been on uh someone else's podcast it's been a few months so it's it's uh it's good to be it's good to be on the other side again. You know, this is uh definitely I've been doing this for a few years. I've been on Jimmy Church, Grant Cameron, a lot of a lot of the UFO scene, you know, just uh I I was on Coast to Coast with Heidi Hollis. So yeah, she's um that was a good one. But anyways, yeah, it's just uh good to be back um being interviewed and I love um you know, cuz I'm always even uh, even though like I'm I'm wear a lot of hats, you know, and I'm about things. I'm just a human being and I'm still going through my ascension process too, or, you know, or whatever you want to call it. Like I'm still going through my stuff. So, man, I got a lot of stuff to share and I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. I love that dude. You know, because I, I think of myself the same way, the eternal student, right? Like, yeah, I believe on some things that I've experienced. I don't know them, right? I believe them in my experience. But again, there is no objective reality, right? Quantum physics proved that quite a while ago. And so I like to think of myself as a curious observer, having had some experiences and hopefully being able to help some other people not go through the same challenges that I went through, unless that's part of their karmic path. 
and they have to anyway, right? So that's like the big, you know, uh, idea that I've been diving into recently is like, well, you know, hopefully some of what I say can help people not have some challenging experiences that they didn't have to have, but maybe they did have to have them, you know, and I think within psychedelics and plant medicines, you know, I think that I forget if it was, it was Hamilton, actually, uh, Hamilton Souther saying this, that, you know, and I, I agree too, and I imagine you would too, that there are no bad experiences. There's just an experience you've yet to find the light in, you know, and I'm curious to hear your take on that. Well, <laughs> what come to mind when you were speaking, uh, what is, we're all sort, you know, is, is basically, uh, is to, to give my opinion on how I see things. We're all particles of, of source consciousness. We're all, we're all one consciousness living the illusion of separateness to have experience. So that means everything that has that everything, every moment that happens, whether it be a, someone stubbing their toe or a car crash or any, you know, up and down that, that scale, any occurrence has to be witnessed and observed and experienced by, by multiple particles. So it can get the full download of, of that experience. That being said, Everything is divine because everything that's happening is expanding the consciousness of of this one of the source, you know. And where the what we're at the precipice that we're at right now, and why psychedelics is coming out and leading the forefront, and and other uh, indigenous ceremonies and other ceremonies uh, that, that's been shut off from us for so long, even without plant medicine. I think they're coming. They're coming up to the well of the surface right now to help this movement because we're. I, I what what was that um, phrase I coined? We're at the trifle of existence, so we have to be one. We have to be source. We have to understand that we're walking as source, but still be on two legs and find the balance between between that walk and you know that's that's ultimately the ascension. You know that's. I think the ascension is is you know uh, a single player game, but in that's locked in like this multiplayer game too. You know, dude. You know it's so funny because the analogy that comes to me, I for some reason the universe always speaks to me in food <laughs> analogies, right? But it's almost like when you know what you're going to have for dessert, it makes dinner a little bit harder to eat if you're really excited about the dessert. But yet you still need to finish your dinner before you can have dessert, right? So it's kind of like what Ramda said by be here now. He wasn't saying don't experience all of these amazing things that we're talking about with source consciousness and remembering that, you know, essentially remembering before you die that you are all one, that we are all one, that everything is divine. But also remember to be here, right? Like remember that you signed up for a mission and you get to be here now because what I choose to believe, and I imagine you'd resonate with this too, is that. If we are infinite beings, which I choose to believe, then we've had infinite amount of time being the whole, right? And so like we have this minute period that's really a blink of an eye, maybe like a quarter of a blink of an eye to have the illusion of separation. And so like one of the things that's been my biggest teaching points is reminding myself that like, hey, I can learn all of these things and it's all beautiful because it helps support me in my journey, but I still get to eat the cake every once in a while. You know, I still get to remember that I'm human and allow my humanness to come out allow the human condition to take over my life sometimes, allow challenges to come forth, allow all of this because it's all beautiful. It's all the human experience and it's all divine, like you were saying. And so it's really cool that we're on that same yeah, page. You know, that's um, ultimately what my first book's about, you know, that I'm perfect and so are you. It's just another way to say, you know, everything is divine. And 
I, I point out that I'm perfect and so are you is uh, I chose that as the title is because it's so ingrained in us to oh, nothing's perfect. Yeah, it's okay, Jimmy. You know, every, you just do what you do. You're not, you, you can do your best, but you'll never be perfect. You know, every, I, you know, I point out tons of those thing, nuances into my books and uh, my, my talks that I've done. A lot of things that we've been told and repetitively told uh, grow up as we come into uh, the programming it starts off with everything that's act- the actual truth is flipped backwards. You know, like uh, never mm-hmm. refer to yourself as God because that's blasphemy. That's uh, actually that's the most powerful thing you can do if you can recognize that everything around you is that you got as well and you're just absorbed in in the source. You know, and I think um, I'm I'm definitely over the past few years, especially since my uh, my youngest son's been born. He's about to be eight months on the eleventh, so he was born on one eleven. Um, Congrats. Um, January 11th of this year, his name's Hawk, but he's taught me a, a ton about being in the, <laughs> being in the present moment and taught me about manifestation and how it works, you know, and, you know, he taught me how, and this is like something I'm sharing now, like uh, I'm about to do a talk at the Star Knowledge Conference coming up in uh, November in Wagner, South Dakota on the reservation there. I've been invited and then I'm going straight from there to Zen Awakening down in Florida, but I'm going to be talking about manifestation. And, and the, the formula that I've really, my son really taught this, uh, you know, medicine man and all these other things that's had all these experiences. My son really taught me the formula and it's gratitude and being in the moment. And it such, so much epiphanies came. Like when I realized that it's like, you know, if we have our energy, like focused, uh, in front of our feet of where we're walking, you know, we're manifesting that you know, we're manifesting that walkway in front of us, whether it be, you know, a plush carpet or jagged rocks, we're manifesting that in front of our feet at all times. But if we're thinking like in the past, um, if we're thinking in, you know, going into our history and trying to figure out, trying to hash out uh, traumas that we didn't properly, you know, uh, process back then, they keep reoccurring and then they start becoming, you know, interfering with our daily life our manifestation energy is going to make that memory and show that picture in our mind and it's taken away from our, our path. So our pathway that we're walking on starts to become degraded because some of our energy is going there. Now, if we start too much in the future, mm. that has too many variables to, there's too many variables to predict what's going to happen. You can set an intention. What we do in ceremony, you know, obviously that's a big thing that you do when you go into any ceremony, set an intention. But that's just, hey, I would like to work on this, but ultimately you got to, you're going to, the spirit world is going to let, is going to show you whatever, if you've ever been in Iowa or, you know, any ceremony with any psychedelics, you know, you're going to get shown whatever is meant to be shown. You can put in a request and that it's the ceremony teaches us that that's what life is. We can put an intention in, but just concentrate on the walk ahead, like what you're doing. And, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing I want to share, you know, is is just, that's, that's the secret being in the moment and being in gratitude of that moment, you know, with unconditional love. And like, then you can really start to not only understand source or Christ consciousness, but actually walk in it. You know, what's so cool about that is 
not only the whole process, which is epic, but also the fact that it tells everyone right now that no matter how much money you have, no matter where you live in the world, no matter what gender you are, no matter what age you are, no matter any of the external variables, you're able to do this right now. Now, is it easy necessarily? No, right? That's not what we're saying, but it is attainable. And I think that in today's world, right? Like, you know, one of the things that's challenging and, you know, maybe we can go down conspiracy alley here because I love that alley, but you know, is the fact that we're more distracted than ever. So if we look at it in a non-conspiracy way, well, uh, tech people figure out they can make money uh, by keeping people distracted. And so therefore we're distracted. But if we look at it kind of like the disempowering of humanity, we can look at it like they have distracted us to a point where we forget the simplicity of things like manifestation, of things like being able to just simply tune into gratitude, to tune into unconditional love, to simply remember where you're putting your feet when you're walking. Right. Most people, when they're walking, have one, you know, hand on their phone and their head is in their phone. Right. And I've like literally seen videos before of like people walking down the street and walking into a sign, you know, because they're just, you know, maybe that is the sign, you know, but, you know, they're like in their phone so much. And so, and I'm, you know, I mean, of course, I love technology. It's a slippery slope. So, you know, I'm not saying go without it or anything, but at the same time, it's worth, you know, investigating and figuring out like, okay, why are all these things distracting me and what am I distracting myself from? Because I think at the end of the day, just like you said, the analogy that came to me was something along the lines of that, you know, you can set your GPS to go to three towns over, right? But you might run into a detour. There might be rain. There might be snow. Who knows what might happen? You know where you're going, but you're you're surrendered to the process of getting there. Because if you try to map it out like, well, I need to be aware of everything that could possibly happen before I go, well, then you're actually never going to actually go. You're just going to think about it the entire time. And I think that's where a lot of humanity is right yeah. now, just stuck in analysis paralysis, you know, in their logical mind. And they're not aware that the mind is actually not who they are. So it's like, it's a challenge because I feel as though one of the reasons psychedelics are becoming more popular is because in order to explain the deeper levels of this stuff to someone, it's almost like reading the Bible and expecting you're going to get spirituality yeah, from a, just reading the experience. Bible, right? Like, you know, you know, you know I, I, I've wrote... <laughs> You know, I'm an yes. author. I wrote I wrote books and I, I talk all the time on this stuff, but ultimately, you know, it's the experience, you know, and there's there's eight people from this last ceremony I did up in Wisconsin. All every, all eight of them met source, you know. They they went all the, they traveled the whole universe and mm. come back and then they found where they came from, where really where it really came from, you know, and then they're like, Wait, whoa, like this is what is this real? Like and now what do I do? You know? You, you understand if you, if that happens, you know, you go into, you know, a ceremony like that, like a deep ceremony and you go, uh, you know, you see like the whole picture and you come back, you saw so much out there. You saw like eternities, you know, in a ceremony, you come back to this small fragment in time. Then you can, once you understand that everything here is sacred you know everything that we everything that we are everything that we're surrounded by every all the technology what we're speaking on right now this microphone all of it it's all cuz everything that's here this coffee cup everything come was manifested from someone's mind someone manifest someone thought of it pictured it and made it so therefore it's sacred Hey, hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you all know that the doors are officially open for the Conscious Cannabis Collective. And as such, this is the last week you can sign up and receive all of the bonuses we're currently including. 
This is the last time I will be personally onboarding those of you who sign up with a complimentary one-on-one session, and you'll have the ability to get the Grow With Cannabis course for free during this limited time. For more info on how you can take advantage of this offer, head down to the show notes for this episode and secure your spot today, as we only have so many spots left and they are filling up quickly. Now back to the show. That makes so much sense, you know, and that's actually something I was talking about recently, specifically with the microphone analogy of like this existed in someone's head before it actually manifested. And I think what's cool about this is that, you know, when looking into like Bruce Lipton's work, he talks about how originally individuals were animists, right? And this is like the indigenous cultures. They believed that everything was divine. Everything was alive. Everything had consciousness. Then we went into polytheism, then monotheism. Then right now we're kind of leaving the latest trend, which is scientific materialism, which is I only believe it if I can see it with my own eyes and God is dead and all these things. And now we're moving into holism, which is really just a reanimation of animism as the way I see it. And so it's really cool you brought that up because I've yes. been really riffing you know, on that a I lot hear, recently. I hear people that w- we talk a while and then uh, we talk about the divine and and, how, and I understand that there's a... a a vast amount of people that really have a, a good understanding of it, but they don't have a deep enough understanding to actually practice it because then they, then the next sentence they will, they will say that there's darkness somewhere, you know, there's dark, the, see, you know, so, something happened to, and normally, you know, it gets, it gets, when it starts getting close to home, that's when it's hard to really see the divine. You know, if something bad happens close to home, close mm-hmm. to your family, you know, something, you know, uh, you know, drunk drive, you know, see your family member gets killed by a drunk driver. You know, that's, that's a darkness that you don't see. That's a divine moment. You know, this, my, my life, my loved one was taken from me, this, that, and the other. And you have some resentment towards that. So it's really, it's, it's a lot different to actually walk in it. That there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a fine line between it. But once you get there, it's, it's so free, man. Like to really fully know it deep in your heart that everything is divine and really, really start to understand how strong your mind is. You can start to understand what it is to be a man, like to be, to, to, to be, to cook medicine and things mm-hmm. like that, because those are two things. Those are two things that you really need uh, in alignment to do. Um, and the more, the more you can understand that the stronger you can get, you know, and, you know, I'm. I, I couldn't be any more uh, happy with my my work and my medicine and how everything's going, man. It's really uh, beautiful. So. What is up, everybody? I hope you were all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now you guys know that delegation is a business superpower and you can activate this superpower today 
by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a Z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever. And then you start, and then you start seeing you know, the beauty come to you. You know, you, know, you start re- start seeing the repercussions come back to you from the universe. You know, there's plenty of time that, uh, on this medicine path where, uh, you know, we were eating my wife, me and my wife were eating quinoa, and like uh, we, we get uh, a chunk of broccoli, and we have enough for that. Being on the road, like serving medicine to people, you know, and like uh, not make, you know, just barely making it. You know, and that was uh, looking back on it. That was a beautiful time, too. That was all divine. It taught me a lot of things. And it taught now it taught me to, you know, honor, honor my work, you know, honor myself and honor my path. And, you know, understand that I have to start making other moves to move my message forward more. And the more that I can, you know, do that. And, um, you know, and that's honoring uh, social media. I, you know, that's why I started Eagles Nest podcast. Um, and, you know, just going to these events and sharing uh, very openly, you know, no holds barred. Like there's nothing, there's nothing off the table, like, uh, what we talk about because, uh, my story, I don't own my story. You know, it's, it's part of the divine and it belongs to the divine. And if it, if, if, if it's meant to be shared, it's meant to be shared. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's really cool because what I'm finding is that the individuals that I feel are really getting it. And by getting, I don't mean from a judgmental point of view, I just mean that feel in alignment and resonate with what I believe are the individuals that are really living in the mind of a child. And like the Bible states, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must first enter the mind of a child. And so like that funny thing about what you're just talking about with things coming back, right? Reciprocity, right? It's really like a boomerang, right? And we play with boomerangs as kids, right? And so there are all these things, right? Like you were talking about your eight month old son who was teaching you how to manifest in these things. And the funny thing I always say about it is that you know, uh, before we know what we think we know, right? What we do is when we grow up, adults teach us taxes. And what essentially we do as little kids is hopefully remind them what God is, right? And like remind them the beauty of life, remind them to get still. And I always think of that as not really a fair trade, right? We're teaching them taxes. They're teaching us how to remember whether we're God, you know, but it's pretty funny, right? It's all divine. Again, it's like, you know, I look at you know, I think between food analogies, the gym and race cars, I can figure out and make an analogy for anything. And so the gym will come out now, right? Which is, you know, when you go to the gym, you're breaking down muscle, which could be seen as like these challenging events in life, but the breakdown leads to a breakthrough and a rebuilding of a stronger character, right? Or muscle in this case of the gym. And so I think that like, if we can start viewing life simplistically like that, like, oh, this is like my 75 hard day, 
right? Like this is like an extra challenging workout that I'm going through right now. Yet I know that I'm going to build back stronger from it if I can see it happening for me, not to me. And it's not necessarily easy, but no one's going to come save the day for you. If you decide to think that it's happening to you, well, that's your reality you want to live in. And that's divine too. But I know for me, I know what I choose consciously now because I've tried the other side and it that's sucks. <laughs> see, the, the epiphany come after a ceremony or two with us. Uh, people come in and they automatically think that we're healers. And, you know, I tell them right away, you know, I'm not a healer and I'm about to show you why I'm not, you know. And they really understand it afterwards that they are the healer. You know, they, they're he, they're healing themselves. And that's that's another thing that we really try to push on the people. You know, we we're trying to work ourselves out of a job. Honestly, I'm not you know, I'm not trying to do this the rest of my I don't I don't want to do ceremonies the rest of my life. But I will as long as the calling is there, you know, for for people, because, you know, we've seen some, you know, just tidal waves in people's lives, you know, through through the years. Just it's just been amazing. It's been it's been an honor to do this work and uh, the unfolding and the the sovereignty and freedom I found through this process. It's it's been uh, some rough days, you know, it's a lot of work. But um, looking back on it, it's all divine, bro. Like, uh, just just found so many nuances, so many lessons in in all of it. And you know, ultimately, it was all self-imposed. Like uh, every single ceremony, every single moment, you know, the piercings in the Sundance, you know, the sweat lodges, and you know, watching fifty-two glowing rocks in a sweat lodge, and wondering why you're here, right? You know, why you know why you're here right now in this, you know why you're picking this moment to be in your life, but you could be on a couch somewhere, you know, you know, <laughs> having ice cream, but you're sitting in this lodge <laughs> with 52 stones. And, but now <clears throat> that was, a did a lot of that stuff and it's all self-imposed, but hopefully I pray that my, me, me being here and my message is hopefully allowing people not to have to do all that to get to the, to their own sovereignty, you know? 100%. And this is, I think, a great time to ask you, like, what led you into this type of work? Of course, in the intro, I talked about you being an Iraqi, you know, war uh, veteran and all of these types of things. But I'm curious, like, what made you essentially, I imagine, get to that point of surrender where you realized, okay, what I've been trying isn't working. I must get to either try or be something else in order to get the answer. Because again, you know, I'm careful to say try because we know that there's a certain point at which we are not doing anymore. We're actually becoming something. And so I'm curious what that looked like for you. Like what led you to get into this type of work, both for yourself and then also to do uh, it for others as well? So I guess I should start like with the, with the deployments. I did a, I did a bit in 2005. I was in Baghdad. Uh, I was an armored taxi. So I hauled around high level government officials and other uh, celebrities and things that were coming into Baghdad. I'd haul them. We, we would haul them in like uh, armored, um, Humvees and everything through the city. And uh, anytime we had to go off base, so that was like my job. I was a personal security detail. Did a lot of roadside bombs, blit eardrum, you know, things like that. But not very much combat. So 2007 comes up and they're like, oh, you're going to, going to another deployment, but you're going to Ramadi, Iraq. This is West Ambar province. This is west of Fallujah, you know, and in between Fallujah and the Syrian border and you're replacing a unit that's had like 120, you know, 100, you know, 
a lot of people pass away in their unit. Mass casualties, it's heavy combat. You're going mm. you're going into heavy combat. And it was, man. And we was over there for a couple months and we got extended for three months. So we ended up being over there for 15 months. And in Ramadi, I come back with, um, mm. you know, <laughs> I went through a divorce uh, when I over there and I come back to empty house. You know, I had uh, two children with my with my first wife. And, uh, yeah, it was just a lot of emotions, heavy combat, a lot of losses and heavy substance abuse, um, alcohol abuse, substance abuse, uh, lots of depression, thoughts of suicide and um suicide attempts and i got so i got out in 2009 and from from 2009 to 2014 uh it was just an up and down you know roller coaster ride you know i didn't really know what i was going through come to find out it was ptsd but in 2014 i had a massive suicide attempt i wound up in the hospital and i woke up in the, the er and i couldn't believe i was alive like i was like I was, I really thought that I was, I w wasn't here anymore, you know, and to wake up in the hospital, I lost, I had, was, had a business, uh, Glasgow distribution. So I had a distribution business, uh, supplying like bongs and, uh, stuff to head shops and, uh, dispensaries. Um, it had a 12,000 square foot warehouse in Fort Wayne, Indiana, a couple of investors, uh, well-off investors that were ready to help me, you know, just just throw money at this and build it, you know, because they saw like what was going to happen. This is like 2014. So they saw what was going to happen. And, um, yeah, just, mm. uh, woke up in the ER at, from this suicide attempt and the, the VA got a hold of me, you know, the, through the, the system kind of worked it, worked its way. And the VA found out that the hospital, anytime like a veterans in there, any, that anyone with like any military experience, stuff like that. They have to report to the VA. The VA got um, called in. And so I started going through their programs and got on medication. I was on five different medications, going to meetings. I had a stog. Uh, me and my wife, me and my wife were living in Florida. And I just felt like I had, I felt like this hourglass almost just like it was running out. I was like, it's the time's coming, man. And this next time, I, I, I ain't fucking around this next time, you know, and I could just feel it coming, you know, and ayahuasca, just the seed, someone just popped that seed in my mouth, you know, is some, I don't know if it was, I heard it somewhere or someone, I, I think, uh, I think it was a friend that went down to Peru and had ayahuasca experience. And, uh, I was, uh, working part-time for a moving company at the time, just do you know, just working a few hours here and there. And, uh, I think, I think that's where it come from, the ayahuasca seed. And, you know, it just started ringing in my head, you know, and like uh, how, it, how it does people, you know, and then you have to like research it, you know, you start researching it and then you're like, every, everything was coming up that I was finding. It was like veterans sharing their stories, like these Navy SEALs and stuff like that, sharing their stories of uh, how ayahuasca and psychedelics change their lives. And, I was like, man, I just told my wife, you know, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now. And, um, but I told her, I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta do this. And we, we was looking into it. I was like, you gotta go down to Peru, started tallying up how much it would cost. It was outside of my realm of, you know, being able to do it. And I kind of gave up on it. And she, 
she knew like she was very you know very in tune to me and she knew that she had to do something and she started was doing a lot of research she spent a couple weeks and found soul quest in orlando florida and set up a retreat and she's she come to me and she's like hey you gotta stop eating pork you gotta stop doing this you gotta stop doing this you gotta do, you gotta start you gotta stop drinking coffee you know we gotta stop having sex and all this stuff and we're, we're going to ayahuasca ceremony in a month i'm just like what like i didn't know i didn't know it like i didn't sign up for any of this like so we started we went to the dieta like uh got ready for the ceremony <laughs> and first ceremony you know it was uh horrible just uh purging uh, a lot of purging mostly in the bathroom never i didn't throw up one time but it was all in the bathroom you know it was a lot of i was holding a lot of holding a lot of stuff that i should have got you know, that's what we where we now now that I'm in the programming, you know, and now I know can see like where we hold traumas and stuff like that, we hold them down low. So I was definitely getting rid of a lot of that, you know, and uh forgiveness and a lot of stuff like that. But no visions. I woke up that next day and I told my wife, I was like I woke her up, she we were in bunk beds, you know, and like I was like, Hey, get up, get up. I was like before everybody everybody's sleeping, you know, I was like, Get up, let's go. It's like Last night was hell on earth. I was like, this is bullshit. Like everything they say about whatever it is, that is bullshit. Like it's not real. She's like, he said, like I had a rough time too. And she's like, we was talking and we'd finally decide to stay. And that second night, man, I got shown the spirit world. Like I got shown, I fractaled out, you know, just, just a lot of, a lot of understandings came to me, you know, in a very short amount of time. I, I had my ego death. I really felt like I was dying uh, I felt like I was getting, I felt like I was on train tracks. I was about to get run over by a train. I really felt like, I was like, how did I get on a train tracks? I was like, holy shit, this train's coming. And this huge light finally like overtook me. And uh, then I realized it's not a train. But uh, uh, yeah, my mind was totally in the 3D all the way up until the last minute. It was like, hold on. It was, it was like, it's a car. It's a car. Someone like. First, I was like, "There's a, someone got in their car freaking <laughs> out. Like got, they went out their parking lot and they're driving their car, come around the backyard of this where this retreat's at, and they're about I'm about to get run over. And I'm like, nope, it's not two lights, it's one light, and it's a big light. I was like, oh, it's a train. I'm like, how? I get, I'm like, I'm I'm screwed. I'm really messed up on this stuff. You know, I don't know what it's doing to me. I'm out of my body, <laughs> and I I'm somehow I'm on train tracks. I can't believe no one knows I'm here. I'm just I give up. You know." There's nothing I can do. I remember giving up right at the last minute. It's like, I just, whatever, I give up, you know. <laughs> it's not going to hurt, you know. It's just, <laughs> and, uh, it just overtook me. And I saw <laughs> a lot of, at that time, my perception of that moment was a lot of different lifetimes. Now my perception's a little uh, different than that, you know, uh, dimensional fields, vibrational spaces, you know, um, that make up the Sudru is. But uh, yeah, there's like just thousands of them. Just they went on forever, and I just got tired looking at it for. And I was like, I wanted to be done with it. That's when ayahuasca come, and she said, uh, I was like, show me more. And she's like, no, you gotta go lay down. You had enough. And, and uh, she laid me back down. And she's like, I see you soon. And I was like, okay. And I come back like the next weekend. And next weekend, my third ceremony was a daytime ceremony, and um, I had an aunt. I was out. I was. I was setting out and like my this fractal I was going in and out of my body in and out of fractals. I was seeing the enter the sunlight information codes coming from the sunlight going into my skin. 
I had a I had an ant come uh, come up on my hand, and I went to go smack it like that, and something like stopped my hand. And a voice come into my head that said, "I'm going to teach you a new way." And she's like, "You're a warrior." She's like, "But you're going to have to learn a new way because you have you have shown that you have energy to go all the way and 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 take lives if you need to." But I'm going to show you how to say, I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to reverse that energy and turn it away. And you're going to help save the planet eventually. And I said, how's this? And she showed uh, energy come from the sky mm. and it come down into my crown chakra, come into my energetic field, went all through, integrated with my energy and then come up to my root, my throat chakra. And I would translate this energy out and I would speak for the universe. I would speak a language that was digestible by people that were stuck in the 3D wow. and pull them in so they could have the language and eventually I could step out of the way and then they could have their own connection. And I was like, what? Like, there's no way. Like, wow. you know, like, <laughs> you know, how's this all going to work? And I was like, <laughs> and, um, I'm like, you're going to show this all to me now. I'm like, I'm going to get this whole thing now. And they're like, and she's like, no, it's like you, this is going to be a whole thing. I'll be on polling for a long time, but just know that, you know, you're supported and all that. And you're going to go some things, but it's all going to be good. I'm always going to be there and you can always really just talk to me. And so ayahuasca has been, you know, my first real spirit guide that I really say, um, you know, and, that's I, I guess it's why me and Hamilton get along pretty good, like uh, because we're we're kind of speaking for the same, the, integrated with the same consciousness, you know. And um, the next ceremonies I would go in, and once I knew I was really talking, and once I really believed in myself that I was talking to a, a consciousness, I would go into ceremonies with the intention, you know, personal intentions for healing or whatever. But I also go and like question, like, what am I supposed to do here? What am I supposed to do here? Like, what what about this? What about that? And it would always be like, you know, it was it would be unfolding. But one of the questions I'm like, am I supposed to stay here? Because this is when Soul Quest, uh, you know, Soul Quest. Uh, anyone, most of your listeners probably heard of Soul Quest, and uh, they're pretty big, you know, now. But this wasn't his first starting, and uh, there was definitely an mm. opportunity for me to stay there and start working. I started volunteering there, right? You know, pretty. Fire, you know, after that third ceremony, I was like, okay, this is my calling. Like, you know, I got to, you know, and um, there was veterans coming in that there was no other veteran there that had been through the ceremony. So they asked me to come set and just start. I just got wrapped into it really quickly, you know, uh, into the service part of it. And also, you know, what? so I started learning to walk with the medicine very quickly. You know, I, as a facilitator, you take a small dose and, and, and help out so you could get a connection. And so very quickly, I started learning how to walk with the medicine and how and how to, you know, listen and be able to translate and walk with the medicine. It was very fell into it very quickly. And it was like Hamilton talks about remembering. Yeah, if yeah, I very I, I, I can feel that deeply because it's like, how come I how am I learning all this so fast? And it's like you're not like you're remembering this stuff like you've been doing this for a long time, like. <laughs> And now, now once I really understand that, now it's all coming back to me. And it's like, okay, like now I, you know, I, I teach. So people, I, I shouldn't say teach because I don't like that word, but 
people that come to ceremony, like I, I introduce them or, or, or introduce them back to the sun and how it works and, you know, share things like that. I share things uh, with the pendulum and the pendulum at a lighter exercise. I do a lot um, when right before a ceremony, I, you know, I have someone hold a pendulum or have a lighter and we're talking about how uh, the lighter is a big lighter and it's filled with butane or whatever, and it's the plastic metal, this and that, and the pendulum will just hold still. And then we're talking about, but the same lighter you know, might light Changa or might light the Bufo or might light uh, Sei or the Mapacho. So therefore it's sacred and it's connected. It reminds us our connection back to the sacred fire, the, the central fire inside of each one of us. And you see the pendulum start to move. And I'm like, you know, this is, this is, this is what we're, this is the realm we're stepping into. That's amazing. I mean, what an incredible story, dude. First of all, I don't know what to touch on first, but I'll touch on that last thing. You know, I think it's it's really amazing. Um, you know, I've I've worked quite a bit with pendulums and quite a bit with a lot of different things. Uh, my current thing that I'm really into is the I Ching. Uh, the I Ching is fun, man. Like, it's just, you know, my, my girlfriend and I will go on benders uh, with the I Ching where we'll wake up, we'll make our morning cacao or whatever. And we were just on vacation for two weeks in Martha's Vineyard, which is a small island off the coast of Massachusetts. And, you know, I gave myself the intention for the experience um, of just being on vacation vibration. You know, I've been working really hard and loving what I do. Very grateful and very humbled that I get to do what I love. Um, but I knew I was like, okay, I'm going to work here, but I'm also going to like take a chill pill and just relax a little bit because I can get really fired up with work and in a great way, but sometimes it can become all consuming and you know, the same thing. I mean, I'm working with plant medicines too, specifically with cannabis and, you know, cannabis and I have had a very deep communication for God over 13 years now. And, you know, she helped my father transition out of this realm and uh, she helped me deal with the trauma of that in a way where right off the bat, I was able to see like, yes, I miss my father, AKA the humanness, but I also see this as happening for me. And I'm so grateful for the experience and being able to see it this way because it catalysted my growth. It put a fire to talk about fire under my ass to really go out and go, hey, what is your legacy? What do you want to be remembered for? And not only that, but what do you want to contribute to the earth to help make the Garden of Earth greener than when you found it? And so it's really cool to be able to dive into these things. And, you know, it's fun because when I was on the vineyard with Rachel, we would just wake up and we would do I Ching pulls for like hours and just ask questions. And of course, you're speaking to an oracle, very similar kind of, you know, uh, entity or consciousness to me as a plant medicine, right? Like cannabis works really similar to me. And I like that uh, analogy that you were using uh, that I've heard about before of like walking with the medicine, because when I'm interacting with cannabis and ceremony with others, that's exactly how I will do. I'll take two small puffs to be on the level, but not so much that I can't guide and lead. And I'll have the other people in the ceremony actually go fully into the experience, depending on what dose is right for them. And it's just so cool to be able to you know, mix that with the I Ching and, you know, get these really eerie answers to make the hair stand up on the back of your neck and things like that. And speaking of those kind of instances, I know in reading your bio, you've had some really interesting experiences. And there's so much, again, we can go into, but I'm just nerding out on this right now with ET contacts and what you call off-planet intelligence. And so because this show is called This One Time on Psychedelics, we can dive deep down the rabbit hole. My listeners are very used to this kind of talk. And so, man, I would love... Um, if you could speak to, you know, not just the experiences, but what your beliefs are behind what this is, right? Because I have my own beliefs and I imagine we line up very similarly, but I'd love to hear it from someone like you with that much experience and that much wisdom and knowledge surrounding these subjects. 
like what your experiences have been with these entities and these this off-planet intelligence and kind of like what you think is going well, on there, why you this. think this off-planet intelligence is reaching point, out to us, all that. Let's just open up that a, whole a certain hole. point when you because I think this I think Tesla had it dead on, you know, the frequency of vibration. I think if you can understand that, I think that's the basis behind it. You know, there's uh there's uh moving up from that, you know, we move into the Merkaba realm and all that of the the grid work of of each each creation that we see but as as my mind has expanded and as my experiences and as i've started to see the spirit world um in daily life you know my consciousness just keeps expanding and um i think I do, I do totally subscribe to the one consciousness, and I think these ETs experiences, uh, they are experiences to teach us lessons. You know, I can, I can look back and definitely, uh, I got profound lessons from experiences. So, here's, here's the, here's the stake, here's the juicy part. You know, here's, here's the, here's what happened. So, a few years ago, uh, me and my wife went to Chaco Canyon uh, for our anniversary. We had <laughs> we rented a B&B about uh, two hours away from that. Near, is in a town near, it's called Cortez, Colorado. It's really close to the Four Corners. Uh, if any, if you're if anyone familiar with the Four Corners desert area of the United States, that's where we were at. So that's where Chaco Canyon's at. So I've always had a a deep pull to go to Chakanya, you know, and, and, and walk through, I thought it was very, um, very interesting. You could actually walk through these sites and, and they're, you know, they're authentic sites. So, um, me being already, um, on the medicine path and everything, it was just, it, it was opportunity for me to go there. It was the first time for me. I fell in love with petroglyphs. I really got addicted to petroglyphs at that moment. Cause I started, uh, reading even without the medicine, I could go there and I, they were coming off and they were translating automatically in my head, like what, you know, what they were saying. And it just, just a really beautiful experience. And, uh, that en- the end of the day, I have my drum with me and I offered a song, a prayer song in Lakota to the Canyon and to the spirits and, uh, anything that was left there, you know, to, to release it, you know, just, just say, give a lot of gratitude Canyon. So, uh, we get back in the car, and it, it, if anyone's ever been out Chaco Canyon, it's it's a crazy drive out there. It's like this long drive, one road in and one road out. But sometimes you have to like ford a river to go through, and it's just a, it's a crazy. But it's a there's a it's a it's a state park out there. But the road going in is just insane, dude. Anyway, it takes us about two hours to get back to Cortez, maybe a two and a half hours. We go and uh, we get dinner, and I. I can't remember if we ate out or got something, took out and ate, ate back at the B&B. And um, we ate, you know, and, and, and went to bed. And I woke up uh, like I normally do, you know, uh, you know, early morning hours in between two and three, you know, to, you know, messages or waking up from a dream or, you know, whatever. And uh, at that time, I smoked tobacco and I, I don't smoke, I don't smoke, I even smoke tobacco anymore. But at the time I did, and uh, pretty regularly, so I was like, uh, and I rolled my own, like uh, American spirit. So I smoked American spirit a lot. So I rolled some tobacco, and I went outside on the back deck, and uh, it was like a, a really nice back deck, and uh, but but small, it was like brand new. But the backyard was like super dark, you know. 
I walked back there and lit the tobacco and took like one hit and just like, man, my ear just start my my one ear just start ringing, you know. And uh, both ears are ringing, but one ear is like ringing harder. And I've experienced my ears ringing before, but not like this. This is like engulfing my my whole being. And I started coughing like the the vibration. I start I started thinking of it, and the vibration like started to centralize. Like I I realized the vibration was coming from like my heart chakra, like you know the center of my you know maybe maybe right below my heart chakra, but the center. That's where the vibration was coming from. And I was just like, I went to cough. And this is all like seconds, you know, this I'm what I'm what I'm telling you right now. I'm, I'm describing, you know, I'm breaking down like two or three seconds of my life. And I, I, I went to cough and spit and I spit forward and I saw two feet set, standing beside me. Like out of my provision, I went to spit in the grass. and I saw two feet. And I just started shaking, like I'm, I was like, oh, man, I'm about to get stabbed or something. Like I'm about to get robbed. Like I only have no money on me. I don't have no, I don't, I'm out here in my shorts. I don't think I had a shirt on or anything. No, it was in February, so I was probably wearing a shirt. But the point is, like I thought it was someone, you know, someone standing there, like holy shit. But, um, I turned, and as I turned, it turned, and I was like, oh. And I like, you know, I can, I quickly realized it was a mirror of me, you know, like my head moving and stuff. And I was like, I turned around looking, I was like, is this a, a street? I thought it was a street light behind me. I was like, okay, a street light's behind me. I turn around, look, and there's no, no street, like nothing. It's just pitch dark, you know? And I turn around and I, in my mind, I'm saying, okay, what's about to happen? Like, I don't know what's about to happen. Like, it's just a dark. It's like a dark silhouette, but it's like right here in front of my face. And I, I, I can, I know it's something else. I can feel it's something else, but it's nothing else. And as I'm thinking in my head, what is this? It's eyes start to open up and I just see stars. I just see stars like appearing and as it opens its eyes, there's just galaxies. And my, my consciousness jumps out of my body and just dives in its eyes. I can feel, I'm like, there's nothing I can do but do that. And I, I just, you know, got to travel and got to, got to experience <laughs> life as that being and, um, got shown a ton of things. I got shown to see creation from a bird's eye view and not just the universe and not just our planet or, you know, our galaxy or any, anything that we any new planets that's been found, I saw way past that. I saw out into infinity and I saw all of it. And I got to see how, you know, everything has a chakra system. And I got to learn a lot about how energy works, how it flows through the universe and planets and everything. And uh, I come back, in, come back into my body and I was like, holy fuck. I'm like, I'm standing in front of an alien. Like, and my wow. human side kicked in and I was like, I'm going inside. I, I was like, through a cigarette, I, I'm pretty sure I've the cigarette dropped out of my hand. But um, I know when this first started, like when I his first started, it started for started to open its eyes. I, I did feel my feet like lift <laughs> off the ground. Like I wasn't, I was paralyzed. You know, I just I was in totally observer mode, and my body was just really paralyzed for a moment. And then when I come back, and I got back when once I got back in the driver's seat of this of this mechanism 
it went into flight mode and I went inside, I locked the door and I'm thinking, as I'm locking the door, I'm thinking, how stupid am I? I'm like, this door ain't done doing shit. Like for whatever that is, like this door ain't doing shit. I walked inside, woke up my wife and this ain't the first time I've rambled to my wife, but <laughs> definitely it was, it was deep, you know, and uh, she got up as like, she's like, you know, this is, you know, this thing's happened to you and this is just come to bed and maybe go take a shower, you know, go take it. You want me to run you a bath? I put, you know, do something. And, you know, she, she's always trying to take care of me. She's seen me go through a lot of weird things, but um, yeah. So, and eventually about, you know, I think I did take a shower and um, definitely didn't go back out back and uh, bed and uh, rambled about it for the next couple of days. And it slowly started tapering away over a few days and kind of, fell off the station and about two weeks after the incident, I had a dream where I'm standing on the back deck. I watch Drew come out. I watch him light the tobacco. I watch him spit and turn towards me. And I was like, that's when I was like, okay, multidimensionality by location now make a whole lot of sense to me because I experienced it from both sides and I got to see what, how he could see me. And, you know, it was just amazing how he could just see like me and see mm. all the experiences that I've had as like a one big catalog and one big like vibration and flow, you know, and it was, I got to learn a lot, dude. And, um, through all that I've learned to really ask, like after I've had those, wow. you know, I've had a lot of those same type of experiences with different things, like you know, the big, the big JC, you know, and had experiences with him and things like that. But so I would have those experiences. I would, in, especially in the moment, I learned to be like, okay, this is coming back with me and I'm going to be able to share it. I'm going to be able to relate it. And if I, if I can remember to set, set that in that moment, there's nothing else that <laughs> there's no, there's nothing else that can move that, you know? And, um, you know, that's how, yeah, the, it just, the medicine where it's evolved and it's crazy. But if you can buy location and all, and all that stuff and it's ultimately, I'm really honored because it's, it's cool to know, wow. like it's cool to, when you figure it out, really, you know, I'm not set. I'm really, I'm to be a people listening. I'm really humbly sitting here saying this, man, like I really am. This stuff, this stuff is so profound. Some of the things I've learned, it's, bit, it's humbling in itself. So I know you got questions in the back of your head, like, this dude's good, uh, complex, is this that? No. This dude has had mind-blowing experiences that has humbled him so much. Like, you know, there's been days I've had, not, I haven't been talking to anyone. You know, I have not even my wife and been just in silence trying to process these things. Like, I've been humbled by these experiences. But like I said in the beginning, like, they're they're part of the divine story and they belong to all of us and my intention with these is not to get you to believe that i'm this that or the other it's it's to get you to understand that these things are possible so maybe these things can open up in your realm you can find the same healing and sovereignty and freedom that i've found through these experiences yeah man that is i mean so profound and I've had similar experiences, not anything like that yet, uh, although I have been calling something like that in. Not like, 
you know, from the energy of like, I want to see an alien, but more of like, Hey, if there's something you can teach me, um, at the right time, present yourself, right? Because I know that maybe right now is not the right time for me. Maybe I could benefit at a different time, but I am open to receiving that when the right time is, uh, is apparent. And I think that, you know, one of the experiences I've had that I don't think I've ever shared on this show, I don't think I've really shared this with anyone, but you seem like the perfect person to share this with. You know, we've talked a little bit about how when we're kids, we remember a lot, right? Like we remember past lives sometimes. We remember a lot of different things, whether they're past lives or just different dimensions, whatever they are. We remember something, right? And um, I remember Paul Check talking about his son, Mana. And when uh, Angie got pregnant with Mana, they weren't expecting any kids. Paul was in his 50s, right? So he didn't expect to have any more kids. And there all of a sudden, boom, Angie's pregnant. So he goes into the medicine space to meet the soul of Mana. And at that rate, um, Mana was uh, just coming out of a previous lifetime uh, of this um, small, older Asian woman who was running essentially a farm or something. He couldn't tell where, right? But he was speaking to the soul and uh, getting information about like, why now? Why me? Like, I didn't want to have any more kids. She's like, oh, you do actually. You know, you just don't realize it in your ego, right? And so when Mana was born, I think it was about when he was three years old, he, he told Paul, he goes, hey, dad, I remember. And Paul was like, what do you remember? He's like, I remember being on a farm and, you know, I forget exactly what he said, but basically it was the same story. Right. And so these things speak to that. So when I was a kid, I remember at my parents' house, we had this, we had this staircase that just typical staircase goes from up to down. And I remember, uh, I, I was very young. I'm six, five. Right. So I, whenever I'm looking at like my age, I'm like, well, I was very small. Right. So I had to have been like three, maybe four. And so I was a wee little peanut and I'm standing at the top of the stairs and I remember having my hand on the railing. Now, for anyone listening, you could say, oh, you remember this wrong. I don't know. But this image and this memory sticks out to me so vividly. And I actually have never asked this as an intention in the medicine space. And maybe this is the uh, reminder of me to do so. But I remember I had my hand on this railing. And I remember like an escalator, I just levitate down to the bottom. And it wasn't anything grandiose. I wasn't as a kid. It was just normal. Right. And so it begs the question of like, how much of this stuff is actually extremely normal? And I, I think I have a good answer to this, which is it's all really normal. But at the end of the day, we as a society fail to recognize, and I for a long time failed to recognize how many programs and patterns were living within me that have been programmed and patterned by someone else. Cause from zero to 20, especially zero to six, but zero to 20, we're in these programming ages. So like, if we don't believe something exists, we're not going to see it. Because if we are the creators of a reality, well, we're confined to what we think we know. And this is where the knowing paradox gets in. Because the more that you learn, the less you're actually going to be able to experience because you're confined into the, <laughs> the, the barriers of what you think life can be. And Paul always says this with, you know, do you know what a PhD stands for? Piled higher and deeper, right? And so, like, I think that was an age where I was just so open to anything. I didn't know anything. I wasn't caring about knowing anything. I didn't believe anything. I was just a curious observer living life. And here I am levitating down the stairs. And it was just, it sticks out of my memory. I still remember the light was on in my living room. Uh, we didn't have the DVD case we have there now. So it's like, I remember it clear as yesterday. And so it's so interesting because I've had um, experiences with entities of some sort in medicine space. And again, like you were saying, you know, I think at the ages where I had them, uh, you know, I, I wasn't aware enough to not get a little frightened. And so like, you know, those experiences kind of dwindled away like a dream after. But I remember specifically when my dad was sick with cancer, I remember I went into an experience with mushrooms, did a five gram tea. I think it was like a 20 gram split between four people, whatever it was. And we went into that space. And at that point, 
I think I was 23, right around there. And um, it was when my dad was getting really sick and I was in the same house with him. And a lot of people might hear that and be like, that's pretty crazy. Cause you know, you talk about set and setting, right. And uh, you know, my mindset was not exactly in the best space at that point. Like it was, it was fine, but I was obviously losing my father who was a very I- ideal character in my story. But I go into this experience and I remember just meeting the light, like, like you had uh, mentioned before. And it was this beautiful golden light. It wasn't all encompassing. So maybe it wasn't full away, whatever, but it was just this feeling of just like, everything is right. There's nothing I need to worry about. And my grandmother was there. Uh, my Nana was there. There were some other people that were relatives that I don't think I ever got to meet in this lifetime. Maybe ancestors were there and they were just all showing me like, this is where he's going. There's nothing to worry about. Like you can cry because you're not going to be with him anymore. But don't worry about him. He's going to be fine. You know, so it's so interesting to speak about these experiences. Source experience where I've, you know, I gave up, I gave up form, um, you know, willingly. And this is not like a near death or anything. This is a, you know, totally, you know, totally different event where I just spontaneously had a a moment where I matched, matched vibration with source and I went on a body and I went, I was in front of this ball of light and I gave up my form. And when I went in there, um, I, I went in when I went in, gave up my form within the tensions of fixing everything. You know, it was, um, I think it was maybe a year or two before COVID, but there was, you know, just everything that was going on in the world still, I could feel it, you know, especially after, you know, ayahuasca turning me on really hard right away, uh, just feeling a lot. So, um, you know, I was like, okay, I give up for him. You know, I let I let Drew die, and when, however that happens, you know, that's they, my loved ones will deal with it. But I'm gonna fix everything. I can fi- I can even fix that. I got up there uh, when I was, you know, the one with oneness, and from you know the driver's seat or the you know the middle of the hard drive, whatever you want to call it, but source. I saw that everything was divine. I thought I saw that everything was balanced and just just how it was supposed to be, you know. And I was like, okay, what am I supposed to do now? And I was, I was like, I was like, okay, I want to be a. It's like you can do whatever you want, your source, but you can either stay here or you can go and do, you know, you can make whatever avatar you want and go do it, you know. It's like, well, I want to be an eagle. It's like, well, you've already been an eagle, you know. You know, well, I want to do this. I've already, you've already done this. My, you know, I just had about five or six different things. I finally realized like I've, I've really done all, I've already experienced all that. You know, if, especially if I've went to source and I was that for a moment, I absorb all those experiences. So I'm like, okay, I've had all this. What's left? It's like, go back as source, but as Drew as well. And it's like, oh, and it's like, we're we're getting to the point source has had so many experiences now it's now it's wanting to view itself from the creation and see itself and ultimately that's the evolution of humanity and evolution of our planet and everything that you know everything that we can see and everything so this is a a moment that we're approaching that you know but as i say that we're approaching it it's it's a self we're allowed to say, okay, it's now for me. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to wait on everybody. I'm going to be here and I can still step across a threshold and we can, co- we can coexist in this space. I can live in this dimensional field and understanding, and you can live in this dimensional field and understanding and we can co-create. And then you can come over here when you're ready. 
you know, but this is where I'm at. So this was, I was talking to Hamilton about this as, and, um, cause I know he, he's had experience as a source and then went back into the medicine work. I'm like, did you have a hard time dialing back and going back into the ritual? Because you have to dial back some of the things that you're new, uh, new stance that you're in with the source consciousness understanding you have to dial them back a little bit to be able to sit there and, and shake the shakap and sing the ikaros you have to dial back a little bit but you can when you dial it back then there's a point when you can bring bring that understanding into that as well and start integrating it into into your ikaros and everything so yeah yeah he was uh that's uh i no, I'm, I'm I'm assuming he didn't say it that's outright, beautiful. but I'm assuming that's the time. What did he, he have to say about that? Did he have a similar experience here in Colorado? But I think you know, I think that was the time when uh, he was just trying to really integrate it. Um, he didn't say it directly, but he definitely said that. Yeah. Yeah, he, he went through a, a time and had, had and had to go back into it and learn how uh, the ecros are going to be now that you're not asking for asking for these entities to come in, you're more saying you're more of an equal stance with the entities. And, uh, and that's where, you know, he speaks about friendship and bond, you know, bond with the medicines. I, de- I deeply feel that because it, it feels this is respect is still there. Definitely. Definitely. Always will the respect will always still be there, but it's, it's a lot different reaching for something other than saying, you know, Hey, come over here. Can you, you know, do this? It's kind of like, you know, if you have an idol and then you do whatever is necessary to be um, hanging out with this idol and this idol sees you as his or her equal, right? You still respect the hell out of that idol, right? Or idol might be the right or the wrong word, but I imagine the listeners get the drift. But, you know, you still respect that idol, but like the idol and you see each other a little differently now because you're friends, right? So you're like, you're still respecting the hell out of each other but you're also friends now too and you can joke and laugh a little bit more with each other because i think that you know if if i had to make an assumption based on all of my experiences i mean i think that everything that i've had experience everything i've experienced in the psychedelic space has shown me that if anything source is very similar to a child and we can see this in the dalai lama and these individuals that have this christ consciousness right they're silly they're laughing you know i forget the exact quote but it was like you can measure a master on how much they laugh. And I think that's one of the things that like literally, you know, is something that is the ethos of, of my whole development in this world is like, remember to not take yourself too seriously. Cause if you are, you're probably getting too much into the mind that puts pressure on things that makes things seem, woe is me. Right. But like the real ascended masters, they're, they're laughing with these kind of things. It's almost like if you, uh, are a race car mechanic. Here comes the race car, right? I told you ice cream, food, and race cars or the gym. Here's the here's the uh, race car analogy. So, you know, if you are a race car driver and you're just starting out, well, if you're if a part in your car breaks, it's stressful, right? You're like, oh my god, I just worked so hard to get this right. When you're a NASCAR driver, right? If you if you end up blowing something in your car, it's just like, what do we do to fix it? And it's kind of laughable, right? It's like, all right, how do we get this done? And boom, you're back on the track. So I think that's kind of like a uh, synonymizing of sorts of kind of what we're talking about, you know, for what, whatever reason, like I said before, the universe speaks to me in analogies. And I think that it's funny because I had never met someone else who did that until recently. I met this guy, Jason Goldberg and we podcasted and he did that. And I was like, dude, 
this is so cool. Cause it was like, I totally got what he was saying, you know? And so I think it's a way we can meet people where we're at too. And you know, it's, it's, it's really fun, man. And I love having these conversations because it reminds me of how much mystery there is in the world. And I think I might've said this in the outro I wrote for you, but what I've found is that my happiness, my joy, my contentment, uh, and, and by contentment, I don't mean, I don't mean necessarily contempt, but I mean like my ability to be okay with where I'm at is directly correlated to how much mystery I'm able to accept in life. And so if I'm like thinking I need to have it all figured out, or I don't know what something is, and therefore my mind is telling me, oh, you're less than because you don't know what this is, then I'm in a woe is me victim mentality. But in those aspects or those times where either I'm breaking through on 5-MeO DMT, or I'm simply eating a amazing meal that my partner cooked, or I'm laughing with my friends, or I'm riding my bike, any of those times where I just like can realize that I don't know anything and that everything is mystery. There's no better high in the world. And it's a ceremony. I can't remember. I think it might've been ayahuasca or combo. I don't know. But it was like the morning after and I walked outside, went to the dock and I was smoking some apacho and um you know, it was like on a canal. So I was like looking down and the water was clear and I could see fish uh, beside the dock uh, around and I could see some fish swimming by like in the, it, just on the edge of the shadows and they were swimming by and then they would go back into the darkness. And uh, Ayahuasca is just uh, talking to me and she's like, she's like, you know, this kind of what it's like when you go into ceremony. She's like, I let you come onto the dock and you can see a little bit into the into the spirit world around the dock and you can see that there's fish down there and you can see that there's fish swimming in and out of your vision but understand that you're just on a canal florida and you're connected to you know trillions and trillions and trillions of miles and in god knows how many islands and of wilderness and mystery lie out in that ocean and she's like, I give you a glimpse, but you have to imagine and you have to know that all the rest of that's there. And she's like, and she's like, that's that's how it is. And so that's uh, that's for analogy. I think that's uh, fits right into what you was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I will take nail in the head for five hundred, please, Drew. This has been absolutely amazing, dude. I got to have you back on for round two. Okay, ladies and gents. When I was connected to Drew through a mutual friend of ours, I was absolutely blown away at the journey he has embarked upon, and I was so fired up to have the opportunity to interview him on the show. For someone like me, and I imagine many of you listening, these are the subjects that fire me up more than anything, and help me to tune into the vast mystery surrounding us in this epic experience called life that we are all taking part in. When I meet people like Drew, it reminds me of the feeling of being a child, who is in awe of life without needing to have everything quote-unquote figured out. And speaking for myself, I have come to realize, as I was saying before, that it is the degree of mystery I am experiencing in life that is directly correlated to my joy and excitement for life. For any of you who are looking to dive deeper into Drew's world, find out more about his work at Sacred Journeys Within, listen to his podcast, and benefit from the vast amount of knowledge and wisdom he has surrounding the topics of plant medicines, ET encounters, Native American practices, and more, make sure to check out the show notes for this episode, where I will be listing all the best ways to buy the ticket and take the ride into his world today.